This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast, a podcast with a worldwide listenership that explores the broad world of preservation from every angle, from drones to mudlarking and everything in between. Now, let's get preserving. I've always been captured by the look and feel of a hand-cut silhouette. That human hands and eyes could so perfectly recreate the outline of a face seems nearly impossible. That's why when I got the chance to connect with master silhouette artist Lauren Muni, I knew this would be a fantastic opportunity to talk about this trade, its history, and future. This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to PreserveCast. We are super excited today to be joined by Lauren Muni, and we're going to be talking all about the world of silhouette artistry uh, and this craft that uh, Lauren has perfected and how she got into it and all that good stuff. But before we get there, uh, we love to know, get to know people that we're talking to. So Lauren, um, where did you grow up? What got you involved in the world of art? And then, you know, when did you cut your first silhouette? Um, I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. So I am actually based in the state. Um, and, uh, I have always been involved in the world of art. Um, my, my very first memories that was that I've always been an artist interested in art. Um, but really I also was more interested, not in art as a form, but participating in traditions of the past. So I was very interested in, um, uh, Egyptian uh, portraits. I wanted to be an Egyptologist. I was very interested in medieval things. Um, when I went to go look at what I thought was uh, medieval art, I actually was looking at more of, of medieval culture that was depicted in the imagery. Um, so one of the one of the things that seemed pretty natural when I realized that it was going to be difficult to be a paleontologist or an Egyptologist, I decided to go to art school. And I attended the Maryland Institute College of Art, which now is called MICA. Uh, and I have a degree in graphic illustration. So your question about uh, when did I cut my first silhouette? Um, in between going to college and cutting my first silhouette, I became a stage performer and I was performing things also from the past on stage. And it was around 2008 um, when um, I saw a silhouette in an antique store. I believe it was Gettysburg. And um, I was fascinated by it, but I couldn't afford the antique. So I thought that I was going to use my skills as being interested in history and art and go home and essentially make myself one that I could put on the wall. And I started practicing um, uh, and researching at the same time. My first silhouette was absolutely horrible. Absolutely horrible. It's not as easy as you think. Silhouettes are made freehand with with scissors which means that you don't draw first at least the traditional way is it's just cut by looking at something and it took me about a year or two to actually represent um a portrait of another person well and i would say that it took me a good five years 
until the person um, would actually be proud of what I created of them. But this is fascinating because in, I, before I interviewed you, I just sort of imagined you, for some reason, I, you're so good at it. I just imagine, oh, she's been doing this her entire life. But you're talking about something that happened, you know, in, in the realm of the past 10, 15 years um, that you got into it. Um, so let's talk about silhouette artistry before we jump into how it's done. Um, how far back does this go as an art form? Do we know like that people have been doing this since such and such a time? How far back do we see this sort of art? Well, if you want to be uh, technical when it was used, um, it was the way people um, had their created their portraits um, before photography. Uh, if they weren't rich to have a portrait painted, but the, Profile portraits are actually date. Uh, it's said that they date. Um, excuse me. Said that they were described in 500 A.D. by Pliny the Elder. So profile portraits go all the way back to, you know, for thousands of years. But in our modern times, um, they were first described in 1699. Um, by somebody who did not have enough money to have a portrait painted. And they were very popular in the uh, 1700s. Once again, um, this was before photography was invented. And they were especially popular at the turn of the uh, 19th century. So about 1800, 1810 was the top in the zenith and then uh, photography started to get very po- oh, excuse me started to be invented 1829 1830s and the first photographic studio came out in 18 in the early 1840s so would we and we would recognize though the the has the art form changed much or is it pretty and if you're cutting a silhouette today it's going to look rather similar to the style that it was cut in 1800. Has has the, the art form changed much, or is it pretty pretty consistent? It's that's a that's a good question. I stick to the type that was done in the 1800s, early 1900s. Um, since silhouettes never died out, even when photography was came through, and even when people could find. Um, um, more interesting, um, glamorous ways to represent themselves. Silhouettes have continued, but they've morphed. In the 20th century, they have a style. I can look at a silhouette and be able to um, guess around the decade because of the style. And and I purposely, on uh, because I love history, I purposely do a style from the 1700s, 1800s. Um, I want people to um, think about their own history. Very if you cool. go to Disney, you see a, a style that was popular around the 1950s or so. Right, which makes sense because that's sort of where, where Disney harkens back to. So... It, you know, it's funny. I would describe it. I've, I've had my my daughter's silhouette cut. We talked about that before we we hit record. And um, it, for me, it almost seems like a magic trick. Like it's like, OK, there, there's some there's some type of like trick going on here. How is this possible? Could you like try to walk us through? How do you cut a silhouette? How do you get this detail? I mean, obviously, you said it took five years, so it's not something that happens overnight. But it presumably it's not magic. 
Um, and and <laughs> I mean, maybe there's a little bit of magic associated with it, but how how on earth do you actually do this? Because to the uninformed eye, it just seems like that like there's there's some type of like sorcery going on. Well, uh, let me tell you that the sorcery does go back to doing it for 15 years. So right there, the sorcery is experience and fine tuning. Um, but as for magic, I have honed my skills to be able to look at a person, um, look at their outline. I do have a photographic memory. So even when, if, if I, um, I, I would like to cut your silhouette in a minute, but what I will do is I look at um, the entire shape as well as little bits. And then I memorize a bit. I memorize the angles and the shapes. And, and um, when it comes to a form that an artist creates, it's angles, it's convex, concave. And I'm looking at your face as if it's convex and concave while keeping um, uh, an ultimate image, a meta image of who you are. So I know a general idea what your hair would be doing. Um, I studied what uh, uh, face reading, 18th century face reading, which is how people used to prejudge you um, before knowing you and judge you on how what your nose looks like or what the shapes of your eyes and tell you what your personality was like. And because I've I've studied how people would prejudge by features, I know how to make the correct angles in a silhouette. So it's fascinating. And as you said, it's done just with scissors. It's not, you don't, you don't sketch that out. Is there a reason that they did it that way or that that's how it developed? Or is that just sort of the, that's just what it is? Well, in America, uh, scissors are how, or uh, are generally what you see more for the traveling silhouette artists going from place to place. Um, I have a theory. It, it has not been confirmed anywhere. My theory is because America was, uh, you know, the colonies and then the new federal, the, our, our new United States, they were really disparate areas and they had to go pretty far between areas. And while in, England, um, artists would have, even silhouette artists would have a studio maybe in, in London and they could um, uh, paint or use ink to make silhouettes. Um, my theory is that artists, traveling artists here, couldn't necessarily get ink as much. Um, so it was a lot easier to have scissors and for having the black paper, they would take soot and beer and mix the soot and beer together and it would make a darker type of inky subject substance. And then that would be the black. And so it was easier to go place to place and have scissors and a paper and do it that way. Do you ever make your own soot and beer black paper? I have not. In fact, it's come up. That um, surprises me actually. I know. I feel like that's, we need, we need to see you do that in the future. I think that's, that's a takeaway. That's a lesson today. It's it's your requirement. There there is um, a a form of historical study called experimental archaeology. And um, I think that I might have to indulge in that. I think so. I think that's great. So <laughs> how many, okay, so you're a, and we were talking before this, you are a professional silhouette artist, which is awesome. And how many silhouettes does a professional silhouette artist like yourself 
cut on a yearly basis. Understanding that I'm sure COVID um, changed that a little bit. And and what's the demand like? You know, given all the other ways that you can capture an image, do you have any sense for how many you cut every year? I would say it's only a couple of thousands. And that's um, and that's because a lot I I'm not cutting them in mass. This is how I meet either meet people or people order from me. Um, I like doing a lot of things live so people get to experience in person. Um, uh, while I do do things over the internet, it's it's slower that the orders come in. I see more people when I'm at an event, you know, or or. Um, participating in in that and then um you said what's the demand like i think that the demand is pretty good um people are really noticing um the value of the image this black and white these stark shapes are are very sensitive so people could People really enjoy the image of a silhouette, whether it's my silhouette or a silhouette of a photograph, people silhouetted against a sunset. People are really drawn to these types of shapes. They see them in nature all the time. And it's almost like we have so many images now. We're so inundated. We can take an image every five seconds with our phone that, I mean, my perspective on this is that sometimes it's nice to slow down and have something that there was some thought put into that there's something profoundly different than just snapping an image and having something that like was kind of considered as it was created. And I think that begin people are beginning to kind of maybe embrace that or appreciate that more than they did before. So that you're hitting on why I started doing silhouettes in the first place and why I really center on museums, because I first, I didn't realize that people would like to collect these. I thought that I was giving people an experience from the past and on the side, they get to take it home. And through speaking to people, um, I realized that they have a history through their family of silhouettes. They have their grandmother's silhouettes, their great grandmother's silhouettes, you, your children, you've collected them from your children. So I realized that people um have created a familiar familial and community history about silhouettes. Uh, but my original idea was that I wanted people to stop, experience something from the past, put down the phone and do something that was rapid, but an experience. Yeah. And that the, um, the secret thing I wanted people to do was I wanted people to just wonder what it was going to come out like. So, so here you are, you know, that you can take a photo with your phone. It's really quick and you look at it, but what about the times where you're waiting 90 seconds for a, a silhouette, you know, you have 90 seconds to mull it over. Right. Or, or some people take it as a nice rest. They can't do something else for that 90 seconds. And it becomes this little tiny vacation yeah. for that minute. Um, yeah. I think as we become so digitally connected, sometimes it's nice to disconnect and come back to something that is created with human hands. So why don't we take a quick break here? Speaking of creating with human hands, we're going to come back. I'm going to get my silhouette cut. And then we're going to talk about your project at The Peel. Great. And how people can get in touch with you. And we'll do that right when we come back on PreserveCast. 
Historic preservation can't happen without skilled tradespeople to perform the work, and there's a critical need right now for those tradespeople. The Campaign for Historic Trades, powered by Preservation Maryland, is working to meet that need by strengthening apprenticeship opportunities within historic trades. In partnership with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center and Conservation Legacy, the campaign is currently recruiting for NPS Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, or TTAP. TTAP is an intensive 20-week apprenticeship that provides young adults the chance to learn historic trade skills while working on America's most iconic historic sites. Multiple positions are open for the 2022 season at national parks across the country. Visit historictrades.org for more information on TTAP and how to apply today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Today, we're joined by Lauren Muni, and we are talking all about silhouettes, the world of this, and her um, sort of ascendancy into the silhouette world and what that all means. And um, we are now, um, we're, we're going to get, uh, I guess, my profile cut here. And so I'm going to pause to to allow this to happen. We're going to actually uh, use some of this video. You'll if you're if you're listening and tuning in, you can jump onto preservecast.org and catch the video there, um, and over on Twitter and and Facebooks. So if you want to see what this looks like, this is a one of our first sort of interactive preservecast where there's a video component that we're going to share. And then after that, we're going to talk about the Peel Center and um, what people can do if they, they want to get their own silhouette cut. So I'm going to pause here and I guess I'm going to turn to the side. Right. I'm going to take these, these headphones off. It doesn't matter really much. <laughs> it's right. not a photograph. So <laughs> I'm, I'm just looking at you. <laughs> right, get my good angle there. Uh, this is perfect. So I am just going to look at you. Can you hear me? Okay. Okay. So I am looking at you and um Sometimes you can hear the sound of the scissors if I'm really quiet. I'm torn between wanting you to hear the sound of the scissors and then me describing. Um, and this is very fast. I'm already halfway through the front of your face. Um, I am looking at the entirety of your profile. Um, I'm looking at each angle of your face. Uh, right now, I'm rounding up towards the top of your forehead, and I'm, I'm going around to your hair. Now, Zoom is a little difficult. I'm looking at you over Zoom, and the pixels sometimes aren't as precise as if I was um, sitting with you in person, or uh, sometimes people send me photographs. So Zoom is less ideal for me, um, but very ideal for somebody like you because you don't have to go anywhere. Um, you're right here with me very fast. And I'm actually almost done. Um, I'm coming up around you. I know this is really crazy quick. And I've um, usually if you and I and now I'm actually going to um, take some extra time to explain as long as you're hostage to say normally I talk about history when we're doing this. So if I'm at a museum site um, or at a community event, we're talking about history and we're talking about why silhouettes might have been cut in an era of that of that area. So we're talking about how silhouettes would have fit into the lives of people from that time. By the way, I'm all done. And right, I'm um, just, uh, if you want to turn, turn back to me. 
All right, so we're we're back here. So for those of you listening in, I just had my silhouette cut. This is one of our first interactive preserve casts. Look at that. That's fascinating. I love it. That is beautiful. That is so cool. And you made me you 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 made me look decent. Thank you for for sparing me yeah. all the extra chins. <laughs> I appreciate that. You don't have <laughs> <laughs> she's very um, kind folks if you get your if you get your silhouette cut she'll make you look good <laughs> no that is real that is super fascinating so for those again listening um we're going to release the video of that and we're going to have a special video where you're actually going to get to see uh lauren's hands cutting this so let, let's i mean super interactive love that and that's exciting um let's talk a little bit about um you've got a really cool project going on at the peel center what is the peel and what are you doing there and what should people know about it? Sure. The Peel um, it was the first museum. So it's in Baltimore, downtown. If you're familiar with Baltimore, um, it's really right across the street from City Hall. Um, it was the first museum built in the United States. Um, it was founded by the Peel family, which was uh, one of the first big artist families in the United States. Um, the father, Charles Wilson Peel, uh, painted a lot of portraits of George Washington, and he's very famous for painting for painting portraits of, of famous people. And the same with his sons. His sons and daughters were all named after famous artists and scientists. And the son, Rembrandt Peel came to Baltimore and and built a museum to be um, what we call an art and natural history, or excuse me, a natural philosophy museum. We would think of that as a science museum with art in it. Um, it was uh, built in 1814 and completed right before um, the uh, siege on Baltimore in 1815. Um, and at the Peel, once again, this was called the Peel Museum at that time. Um, it was the first um, building with gaslight. And Rembrandt Peel, the son that built the Peel Museum, um, founded what we now know as um, Baltimore Gas and Electric. It was a museum. Um, and in the museum, they had a machine in the back that cut silhouettes. And once again, because it was um, for regular people who couldn't afford to have portraits made, um, the silhouette cutting machine, and it was operated by usually the the visitor, him or herself. Um, there could be someone there from the museum to man the museum, but they could come away with a machine cut version of what you just had cut by hand. So it was the simulation of an artist version. So the Peel Center has been here in Baltimore for 200 years. Um, it's being renovated. It's now, um, it's a nonprofit officially owned by the city and um, it is under renovation. It's going to be opening up at the, it is opening up in May and I am I have a grant from the Maryland Arts Council to put 300 silhouettes of Baltimore residents around the walls. The idea is to be able to put people into Baltimore who um, aren't typically seen in museums and other cultural institutions. So the people would be of all 
races, all ages, all genders. Um, everybody's going to be equally represented, equally valued, and everyone will be a silhouette on the wall. It's fascinating. It's it is it is going to be such a cool thing to see. And we'll have to do an interview with the folks over at the Peel and maybe do some video um, once that once that project is up. So I mean, definitely people can fit can check in. I'll put in the show notes a link to the Peel and we can talk about that. Um, you know, be- before we we go, I'm I'm curious, and before we talk to let people know how they can get in touch with you and everything like that. What do you think the future of Silits look, looks like? Are are there enough people learning the trade? Is it surviving? Is it thriving? Is it dying? What is the future of silhouette artistry look like as far as you're concerned? Well, silhouette portraiture um, seems to be thriving, um, uh, especially at Disney. You know, blessed Disney, they really brought it back from um a possible obscurity because people love going to a place and um, having, having this feeling of nostalgia. So people even have a history in their family of getting silhouettes done at Disney as, as a portrait form, the way I do it. uh, I think that as people discover the value of profiles, shapes, representation, um, even handmade artwork, it, it can thrive. There's only about, um, maybe 20 people, a little over 20 people in the world that freehand silhouette. So there are people, there are people who they do sell silhouettes. Maybe they've made them on their iPads, but the type that I do, there's about 20 people in the world that do this. And how and, are we going to make sure that there's people that do it in the next generation? Well, um, hopefully people are being inspired by us. Um, at, at the moment I'm trying to keep the value and the care of it going on my side. I'm not yet teaching it because it's very hard to teach. The main focus of silhouettes is observation. Truly anybody can pick up a pair of scissors and try doing it. It's, that's been happening for 200 years. Um, but the attentiveness to forms and other people is hard to teach. So at the moment, as I think about how it gets taught, um, hopefully people will start seeing silhouettes more and more and, and start to at least have a, have an appreciation of what it is. And of course, of the past of silhouette portraiture, um, so if, if people want to learn more, obviously we're going to put a link to your website in the show notes, but can they contact you? Can they do it remotely? Are you going to be anywhere that people should know about if they're in, you know, traveling around the country? Where, where are you going to be and how can people get this done if they're inspired by this? Sure. Um, I have um, a website and an Instagram and Facebook. Um, my website is silhouettesbyhand.com. Um, on, on Instagram, I'm silhouettes by hand. And in both of those locations, you can, um, go into the website or even in the profile on Instagram. And it says where my schedule is, you know, how to order, um, how to find me. So if, if somebody's across the world and I might be with them across the world, visiting and working. Very cool. And we'll make sure that there's a link there and that people can do this. It's a great gift. Um, 
What is your favorite historic place or site? Last question. I knew you were going to ask this. And uh, so it changes. <laughs> and it's really tough. Um, my happy place, as I call it, um, is Greenfield Village at the Henry Ford. So um, have you ever heard of this place? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, and for people who have not heard of it, Henry Ford, the maker of cars, uh, wanted to preserve um, the knowledge of people from the past who have made success and invention. He moved buildings to a piece of land that he owned in Michigan, including um, Thomas Edison's entire laboratory from New Jersey. He moved to Michigan um, the dirt, the rocks, the stumps, um, every piece of furniture, um, the building parts, the um the old the, the excuse me the electric wires which weren't old then they were brand new and he moved them and other buildings from other famous people to Michigan and created an entire village spanning hundreds of years of innovation and invention in um America and that is my happy place it's gorgeous it spans so much history and every time I'm there. Um, they have amazing programming and gorgeous views, and it it just makes me happy and calm. Well, that's a that's a that's a perfect way to end this. Speaking of happy and calm, that's the feeling you get when you get your silhouette cut. <laughs> and um, it has been so much fun to talk with you. We will definitely um, uh, follow up once the Peel exhibit is up and talk to the folks at the Peel and uh, encourage people who are listening to jump on our website and check out the video. Uh, and the finished product of today's uh, episode. Uh, Lauren, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to PreserveCast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to preservecast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation, and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening, and keep on preserving.